Anyway, so I've been carrying around a, a, this stone uh, to represent a broken relationship in my life that's in need of some forgiveness. I've been working the, I've been working the series on, around this stone, this relationship that it represents. Um, but no one in this room. Uh, no, actually, no one in the state of Michigan, just a, just a friend who, in my perception, uh, did me wrong. I could, I could write a country western song about it. Um, so the second verse in that old um, gospel hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, goes like this. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find your solace there. It's, it's very telling in the, all three verses of this hymn that the one specific care, and it's all about taking our cares to God, to Jesus, our friend, the one specific care or burden that is mentioned in this old hymn is the burden imposed by a loved one's betrayal. That's, that's very interesting. It's a burden that we share with Jesus, um, who went through this himself very much, as we know from the Gospels. Uh, and you, uh, the other thing I like about the song, and I think I'll, I'm, I asked Cassie if she could actually sing a couple of verses of, of this during our two-minute meditation, is um, we're so used to handling these particular burdens uh, alone. I mean, you just think about your rock, you know, if you've been carrying a rock around during this series, and how often it, it's just so easy to isolate in your pondering over it. So you, you mull it over in your brain ad nauseum, or maybe you just bury it below your conscious thoughts. Um, and we're forgetting like the main advantage of connecting with God is that we can actually take these things to God in prayer, like a child with a boo-boo running to a parent. Jesus is the burden bearing and the burden sharing image of God. So the steps that we've covered in this, uh, in this series, which is taking its inspiration from a book by Desmond Tutu and, and Info Tutu, his daughter, uh, called The Fourfold Path of Forgiveness. The, the fourfold path includes first um, telling your story, just rehearsing what it is that happened to someone who's safe to talk to about it, who's just going to listen to you and not critique you. Um, second, naming the hurt. Um, sitting with it, naming it, feeling it. Uh, third, granting forgiveness, once you're ready to take that step. And then today, we'll be considering the final step in the process, which is after granting forgiveness, which is renewing or releasing the relationship that you've been dealing with. So, you know, this is really the transition from step three to step four. Uh, forgiveness is a choice. It's ours to grant or it's ours to withhold. Yeah, you may remember that in the Gospel of John, I think it's actually the Easter evening, so it's the evening of the resurrection. I think it's the first time that Jesus appears to a good number of the apostles together. I think everyone but Thomas was there. John says that Jesus came into the room. He probably said, peace be with you. And then he, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit and then, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Um, now, one of the cool things about forgiveness is that 
our desire to forgive is, is mimetic, meaning we forgive often in imitation of others who are forgiving. We forgive as we're following Jesus in imitation of Jesus. And this imitation is always, um, is, is sometimes uh, unconscious. It's, it's not always intentional. That's why the word mimetic kind of gets at the deeper meaning of this. And it, and it operates at the level of our desire. So we unconsciously imitate the desires of our models, of like these influential people in our lives, uh, significant figures in our lives. Sometimes we imitate unconsciously just the culture around us, but it's an unconscious imitation. And this is why I think forgiveness and, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit are tied together. Um, because the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in us at the, at the level of desire, where desire happens, that's where the Holy Spirit like comes into us. And so, you know, when, when we focus on the person who's hurt us, we're sometimes like perversely bound to them um, and their sin and the wrong that they did and the hurt that we have. But when we bring are heard into the presence of Jesus, we find ourselves sometimes actually without even intending to, we find ourselves wanting to forgive them as he forgives because of the power of this mimetic desire that can be a good thing in our relationship with Jesus. So actually this is why we gather each week to remember Jesus and to invoke his presence. Um, it's, it's why the centerpiece of Christian worship is communion. Like everything leads up to communion because communion is the sacrament of the forgiving God. And God like has this desire to interrupt the cycle of violence that plagues humanity, that makes it a hell on earth rather than a heaven on earth. So when we gather on Sunday, what we're doing is we're like bringing ourselves into the sphere of the forgiving God. And this, the desire of this forgiving God can become our desire without our even like intending it. All the more if we do intend it. So once we forgive, once we've granted forgiveness in step three, once we say, I'm not going to hold this sin against them, I won't seek vengeance, the cycle of imitative violence and hurt and aggression ends here by my choice. We still have to decide whether to renew or release the relationship with that person. I'm going to take these in turn, renew or release, beginning with renew. So renew is different than restore, and that's an important distinction. So after a significant hurt, and you know we're talking about significant hurts here, not minor slights, but after a significant hurt, there's really no going back to the relationship exactly as it was, is there? Forgiveness doesn't like create instant trust again. Uh, forgiveness doesn't remove the scars of the injury on you, as Emily was talking about last Sunday. Um, forgiveness doesn't necessarily flood us with warm feelings toward the person, right? Um, what does forgiveness do? Well, it simply allows us the possibility of renewing a relationship with a person on a new footing, starting with like where we're at now and then moving forward one small step at a time. So in the early 
stage of renewing a relationship, uh, there's a shift of focus task that we have. Like our, we, and we have to put more energy into this task early on in renewing a relationship. And, and what does that mean, a shift of focus? Well, it means like we're not constantly reminding ourselves of what they did. And when we notice ourselves doing that, like we shift our focus to, to something maybe good about the person. Uh, we're not keeping, as Paul says in that famous hymn of, of uh, the nature of Jesus' love, we're not keeping a record of wrongs. We're not throwing it back in their face. It um, doesn't mean that we've forgotten. It doesn't mean we're denying what happened, but it's a question of a focus shift. Shifting our focus away from the wrong done that, and that has been forgiven, and that, that, what that does is it gives room for a relationship to move forward where it's been stuck. So, again, forgiveness doesn't restore a broken trust. What it does is it gives the person who broke the trust a chance to regain your trust, and trust always takes time. So it's like a new opportunity for the person to demonstrate to you that they're trustworthy and that is a process that is going to take time. Trust and time are always connected. There's no instant trust. So Desmond Tutu and, and uh, Info have some great advice born of their experience of reconciliation following the end of apartheid in uh, South Africa. And the advice was this, tell the person who has hurt you what you need from them to make it better. You tell them what you need from them to make it better for the relationship to be on a, on a better foot. You have a right to do that. Um, so, you know, if your wife's an alcoholic who's been sacrificing relationship with you and the kids for her relationship with alcohol, you have every right to say, here's what I need from you. Um, first, acknowledge this, it's a problem and you need some help. Then go to, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days. And during those 90 days, find a, find a sponsor and, and, and start working the steps. I see some of our AA fellowship people nodding their heads here as I'm rehearsing this. And, you know, if, if that person agrees and, and follows through, then you have the basis on which to move forward in the relationship. Sometimes the forgiven person, though, is not willing to do what's necessary in order to, for you to move forward in a renewed relationship. There's just no basis for a relationship, so you need to, maybe in that case, release the relationship. Release the relationship. Remember, both renew and release are steps after you've granted forgiveness. So we're not talking about forgiveness here, we're talking about the step after forgiveness. To release a relationship is essentially to let go of the person you have forgiven. So in the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, Luke is one of the four Gospels, and Luke and Acts kind of go together. Um, Acts is the story of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the spread of the early Jesus movement around Asia Minor from Jerusalem and Samaria. Um, in the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas were co-workers that are traveling around and they're starting or they're strengthening these small little cells of the Jesus movement throughout Asia Minor, Turkey and, and that region. And Barnabas has a young cousin named uh, John Mark 
who joined them. So they were a threesome going around doing this work. And at one point, John Mark bailed on them. Uh, it was like a rupture in the relationship. It wasn't just like, well, I'm going to do something else. Like he bailed on them. They were counting on him and he bailed on them. Young John Mark did. And we pick up the story in Acts chapter 15. I think this starts at verse uh, 36. But after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, come, let us return and visit the brethren in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp contention so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. So right there, Barnabas chose to renew the relationship with his cousin John Mark, and maybe because he was a family member, yet there was, you know, more of a connection and he wanted to preserve it or whatever. But Saul chose to release the relationship. So, you know, sometimes it's super clear that you need to just let go of a relationship with someone you forgive. Um, someone is abusive and they're either unrepentant or they're unable to stop the abusive behavior. And you can forgive the person, but you cannot reconnect with them. But often it's a lot less clear. I mean, life is complicated. Relationships are complicated. Like, you know, the decision that, that one person would make is going to be different than the decision another person makes. Um, maybe John Mark's bailing on them affected Paul differently than it affected Barnabas. Um, Barnabas could reconnect with John Mark, but Paul couldn't. We're the, the point is, we're the ones to decide whether to renew or release a relationship. And it's just interesting in Acts, the text treats the decision of Paul and the decision of Barnabas both with respect. Um, it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's not like, well, Barnabas was right to reconnect. He was the more Christian of the two, and Paul was just being his usual hard, hard guy, you know, person. <laughs> you know, synonyms just don't come to you like you'd want them to, and right in the moment, you know, it's like I was ready for a synonym right there. You know, arse, arse, that's my synonym. That's my father's. So, yeah, hard arse. That nah, didn't really work. Well... Thanks for trying. <laughs> Credit for effort is a good thing. So I had a professional colleague, um, again, no one local, whose public official actions hurt me and another colleague. Um, and it, for, for some very particular reasons, it was the hurt to my colleague that really torqued me in, in this relationship with this other person. And in time, I, I forgave him. But then I had to decide whether to renew or release the relationship. Uh, he, he wanted to make nice, and I, we had a phone conversation. And I said, here's what I need from you to renew our relationship. Repent of your action. Like, take it back. Um, it's still out there. It's still having its effect. Repent and take it back. Um, and that was after I'd kind of explained the hurt involved in his action, and he had like a sense of it. He, he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't quite realize that. I was like, oh, you didn't realize that? Well, okay. <laughs> uh, 
And once he realized that, he said, well, oh, I, can, I can apologize to so-and-so. And I said, well, that would be a start, but that's not good enough. It was a public action that led to public harm, and the apology needs to be public. He said, well, that, that's not going to happen. You know, that can't happen. And that's when I realized that we didn't have the basis to renew a relationship. I had to release the relationship. So letting go of a person, of a relationship with a person you've forgiven is different than just walking away from someone that you're angry with. Like the forgiveness really makes a difference in the, in the nature, the quality of the release. So, you know, you can, you can walk away from someone and still be obsessed with them, right? I mean, they can actually be more connected to you after you walk away from them. You know, the anger and the resentment and the hatred can be a bond as strong as love. Um, you know, we can be deeply tied to a person that we have no contact with. They plague our thoughts. They appear in our dreams. We keep an eye on their Facebook feed. We pounce on any scrap of gossip or information about them and we use it to kind of like, you know, fuss over. Well, forgiveness over time allows us to actually let go, to let them be, to like live their lives without our scrutiny, you know. Like just let the person live their lives apart from your scrutiny. You know, once I, once I released a relationship by uh, actually writing a letter to the person that simply acknowledged with sorrow the end of the relationship, and I expressed gratitude for the good things that came to me through the relationship, uh, through the experience I had of the friendship over the years. That, was my, that letter like, was my way of letting go. And, you know, every relationship is different, and there are many ways of letting go. But forgiveness always makes the letting go cleaner and, in a sense, easier for the person who's doing the letting go. In all of this, the key, though, is, is uh, just what the, that old hymn says, take it to the Lord in prayer. In other words, don't put it in the isolation unit. You know, one, one of the signs that I'm like, in isolation over an issue is I just I don't really pray about it I just like I fuss over it I, I maybe I talk to other people about it but I don't really bring it to the Lord in prayer um, I was um, praying about it, like a conflictual situation that I'm dealing with uh, uh, the other day and I realized that what I was calling prayer was really just analyzing the situation in search of the correct posture. Like, I wanted to be the good guy in the relationship, you know? And so I was analyzing the thing, like, well, should I do this, should I do that? What's the right thing to do? And yet there was no solace in that whatsoever. It was just like pious BS is what I was doing. I was like doing a form of Christianized pious BSing with myself. It was all about me being like the good person in the relationship, taking like the most defensible position. If just forget that, I said, because I wasn't getting any solace. It was like, wasn't working. It was like, if this is prayer, yuck. I can, I can just fuss by myself and, and you know, 
but then I bring God into my fussing by myself, and I'm like, oh, I'm imposing the moral standards of God on myself, and I'm like, oh, this is like, <laughs> maybe you're not really praying, maybe you're not really bringing it to the Lord in prayer, and so I just, I just sat with the pain, and I named the hurt. And I complained about it. And I said, this sucks. And I allowed myself to feel the hurt as if Jesus were a friend right there with me in it. And then I realized, oh, he is such a friend right there with me in it. He's gone through similar things himself. He knows my feelings. He's like regarding me sympathetically, not judgmentally. And that was so much better. It was so much better. We don't have to do any of this alone. We do this each step of the way. We do it in the company of the God who has the scars of human betrayal and injury and bigotry and violence and hatred and stupidity and envy and ego on his resurrection body now. That's who we're bringing it to in prayer. It's a God who's been through the sorts of things that we go through and whose company, while we're going through it, just helps us to go through it better than alone. So um, for re reflection time, I want to include a couple of props on the way over here. I thought, oh darn, I wish I could have come up with a third, then we could have called it rock, paper, scissors, because one of the props is a rock, the other is some paper. It's like, oh, I bet I could have figured out a way to do scissors, you know? This is just to bring you into kind of the foolishness that goes on into a preacher's brain on his way to church. Um, so um, the first prop is that stone maybe that you've been carrying around. We invited you as the book did to if there's some relationship that you feel a need to do some forgiveness work on that you actually select a stone to represent that person and just like carried it around just to remind you and to feel the burden of it. So I, I've got my stone here uh, and during the uh, reflection time um, you can just like Pull your stone out and hold it and listen to the spirit or reflect or think or uh, give it some time. Uh, the other thing is uh, paper. So we're going to um, put some three by five cards in those offering bags that come around. So we're going to actually do our offering now so that you can pick out one of those three by five cards if you want. And I think there's some pens and pa paper. So it's like a, it's like a, two-way offering. You can put something in or you can take something out. You know, put some paper in, put some, take some paper out. Um, and then after the offering and, and you pick out one of those cards, then we'll have our time of silent reflection. And the card would be maybe just something you want to write on. It might be a name, initials, one of the steps that you want to take, and then I'll give you some instructions about how to, how to use that when we're done. So can, oh, you're here. Very smooth, Daryl. Let's, let's sing our doxology, get the offering going, and uh, go on to our reflection.
those uh, offering bags are going out and you're picking out a three by five card if you want, a pencil. Um, let me give you some um, thoughts about how to use this two minutes that we're going to be spending together of quiet reflection. As Emily likes to say, quiet, it's like if your stomach growls or baby cries or whatever, no big deal. This is not silence. We're not aiming for that high standard. <clears throat> this would be a time for you to just um, focus on some action that you wanted to take today on the fourfold path. So this is the whole path we're talking about now. Maybe you simply realize your need to tell your story of a hurt to someone. So maybe what you do during this time is you just make an intention. Uh, I really haven't done that, and I think it would be a good idea. And make an intention to tell someone your story. Maybe think of someone that you might be a safe person for you to talk to. Um, maybe you're ready to uh, actually name the hurt. And you realize, you know, I kind of skipped over that part. I never really named the hurt. I didn't even let myself feel it in a sense. I didn't put it into words. And so your action today is to say, you know, I want to, I'm going to make the intention of naming that hurt. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And you maybe write that on the card. Maybe you're ready today to grant someone forgiveness. Like you've been processing and you're like, you know, I think I can, I can do that today. So either with the stone or with the car, and you can use that as a symbol for that. Or maybe you're ready to renew or release the relationship or start that process. So in our reflection time, um, either using the stone, holding it, or just using your three by five card, um, take a minute and jot something down on the card or just hold the stone and make your intention. Um, and then for the second minute, uh, Cassie, if Cassie could come up here, uh, she's going to sing those two verses of uh, What a Friend in Jesus. And just let, let those words and that song wash over you. And then during communion, uh, we'll be coming up for communion as per usual. Emily will be leading that part, giving the instructions after I'm done here. And you can either put your rock in the, in the bowl to signify whatever you want it to mean. Uh, up here, or you can put your uh, three by five card. It's okay to put the bolt here, the rock here, and say, I've still got more work to do with that rock, and pick it up uh, on your way out, and you know, whatever. It can be whatever you want it to mean, or you can just leave it here. Maybe we'll like put the rocks in the, in the uh, Huron River down at the bottom of the arb where the heart of Jesus is by that guy who makes the heart by the, by the bottom of the river. We'll figure something out with, the, with, the, with your rocks that are left behind, okay? And we'll burn the three, three by five cards. Okay, so let's, let's begin. What's that? Emily wants to do the burning, yes? <laughs> Go, Emily! Emily's going to do the burning. I'm going to do like the baptism of the stones in the Huron River. Great. So let's take a minute now just to focus on what we want to.
Holy Spirit, we thank you for your solace, for your friendship, for your company. We thank you that you're here with us. Now we just offer these before you, that you would turn your face toward um, those things that are concerning us, bothering us, that have been plaguing us, and we just ask for your help. In the name of your Son, amen.